Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Punnett. This is Best to the Nest, the podcast that is all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. What are we talking about today, Marjorie Punnett? Watch, read, listen. It feels like we haven't done this in forever, but I know we had to have done it last month, but last month was so strange. So it's it feels fun. I've, I've been having a little bit more time, so I've been able to do some some good watching and reading and listening. Do you Me want to start too. or should I? Um, I can start because I, I actually, start. I have one thing that I started watching and then I have a last minute addition oh, good. that I watched yesterday. And so I want to make sure that I include that because it was just like the most delightful surprise of my life. But first, <laughs> um, I will tell you that I started watching The Crown season five. I'm three episodes in and, um, You know, I just love The Crown. I think The Crown is a wonderful show. It makes me really curious. And so I end up like Googling obsessively after each episode because I just want to know, well, what really happened? Did this really happen? Was this as crazy as they're saying it was? And yes, it was. And yes, it was. And guess what? It was probably even crazier. crazier. And it's just so fascinating. And now they're in the Diana years. And, you know, um, I've watched the whole season. Already of season five? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you love the whole season? You finish and then I'll tell you what I think. Okay. Cause I'm only on season, I'm only on episode three of it and I'm really liking it. I love the woman who's playing Diana, I think is like impeccable. I think she's amazing. Um, yeah. and my mom was in the hospital after giving birth to me when Diana and Charles got married. And so she like has these vivid memories of like watching the coverage when she was in the right. hospital. Oh, and I love that. I was like two weeks overdue. So it was like this whole thing. And then they would like, you know, I was there and I, you know, I was born and you then were she late like, for something. I know. My weird. goodness. It is I, weird. Cause you aren't anymore. That's maybe I, why you're a minute manager. I don't know. I'm still late. I'm just Are late you? to like the things I can be okay. late to is the problem. Um, <laughs> so I, so I'm really like delving into that relationship, I think is really interesting. And then sort of understanding the dynamic of like Harry, and William and why they might be the way they are and what they witnessed from their mother and from their parents is just fascinating. So anyway, I think you should watch it. And if you haven't watched any of The Crown, boy, bless you. Oh. You're in for a treat. I actually liked seasons one through four more than I liked five, even though I enjoyed five. But that was solely, I think, because I didn't know a lot of what was going on in in one through four. Yeah. And so it made it sort of more interesting to me because I wasn't doing a reality-based comparison. Yeah. So that's a little, that's the weird part about season five is I lived through that. So, um, but the crown is interesting for me and it, it, I think it shows me why the Royal family tried so much of Royal protocol is about staying aloof and staying private yeah. and being sort of above the fray, it's because 
when they reveal themselves, which this younger generation has done some, you realize they are just fractured, broken people, which then makes you wonder, why do we think they've been ordained by God to do anything? Right. And so it just, it makes me an anti-monarchist is what it does. (laughs) Because I just feel like these are ridiculous people. I mean, they're, they're fine, but this idea of them being somehow special they're really, really rich people. Yeah. And it came it. at the backs of many continents. I know. And so it's just like, I get very political when I, especially like, I didn't get this political about it until, until season five, because you just look at it and it's like, why, why are, why, why would I ever curtsy to anybody? I know. Like, it's, I know. like it's insane to me. I know. Especially because it's when made you- up. It's such a racket. I know. I get that. And I think here's my my thought on that. I think season five is bugging you so much in terms of that aspect, not the show itself, but in no, terms no, of the like the reality bad. of it. Yeah. Yeah. The show is great. Because you it. lived through it and you were like a, an adult life through it. Like in the earlier yeah. seasons, I mean, they were happening old timies, you know, I mean, it was still like, <laughs> like well, an old the, time. The funny thing yeah. is, is, you know, we have this idea of the princess fairy tale. Right. And that was the whole sort of, that was the whole zeitgeist of what was going on with Diana was the, the, that whole fairy tale story. And what's so funny to think about it now is it's all a fairy tale. Yeah. It's all not real. No. And so like, and that's what season five just sort of hammers home for me is like, if I were like Kate or William, it'd be like, I would feel embarrassed to be like, I'm the king. What? I, I mean, it's like I should go out and just saying, I mean, I used to. I have a collection of tiaras that I used to wear around the house when my boys were young because I was the queen of the house. <laughs> but it's, I'm as real of the queen as the queen is the queen. You know what I mean? I mean, it's made up. It's it just made up. Oh. And so it's just funny to me. And I get the history of it. And I get, you know, what I love about the monarchy is that they act as preservation. Right. So, so much of what they own, they have preserved. Right. And then I love the ritual of it. Mm-hmm. I just and the, wish the cultural would... traditions. Yeah. I love all the traditions of it. Right. I love all the souvenirs. Every time I go to London, I love royal souvenirs. I love like the tchotchke of it. You're an anti-monarchist who loves royal souvenirs. This is I love the tchotchke. This is but the I contradiction. If I were their PR agent, I would recommend just say, you know, cut with the king and queen thing, or just make it like Disneyland. Like, just pretend, like, just make it a show. Like, just, it is a show. So just admit that it's a show. Everybody's still going to buy into it. People spend millions of dollars on Disney World. It's fascinating. Make it the same thing. Yeah. It's but this, I just can't get the God. We are, you know. Yeah. God has made us this. Yeah. No, because at, at least in America, like the royalty of like the Hollywood royalty, at yeah. least it's clear that it's just fake. It's fake. It's, it's fake. We yeah. like following it. It's fun. Yeah. We just make it fun. I guess. So, anyway. I know, I know that's not where you think, were thinking that this was going, that I would become an anti-monarchist. But I know. But that happens happened. with like eight out of ten of our conversations. I don't know, I know. where it's going to go. And I think find that to be really delightful. Okay. Um, my last minute addition to Watch, Read, Listen is I'm just going to tell you people this. If you have not watched Lindsay Lohan's comeback rom-com on Netflix called Falling for Christmas – Holy buckets, you are missing out on one of the greatest things that's ever happened. 
It, I oh, just am makes... always rooting for her. I Me loved too. her. I'm rooting for her. I think she was an uber talent. I just watched with the kids a few months ago, Parent Trap. Oh, she's she played great. both twins. She's absolutely fantastic. She's Should so have good. been Oscar nominated. I mean, really. Just I mean, ridiculously good. Yeah. She's so good. And this movie is so fun. I watched it this weekend. I actually watched it with Bernie because it said it had a PG rating. And right. so I'm like, and Franklin was at hockey and Heathcliff was napping. Oh. And so I was like, do you want to watch this movie with me? And there's only one kissing scene and it's at the end of the whole thing. And so it's just right. like totally appropriate. Like you can totally watch it with like a young one, just like her. She was so into it. And it's just, it's just the right amount of cheesy and fun and predictable and like pretty it's like it's shot in a pretty ski town and she's super rich she's like this wealthy socialite (laughs) who loses her memory in a ski accident and like all the characters are kind of over the top and it's just lovely and it has like a sweetheart to it and i'm telling you and then you got to stay till the end because then they show like little bloopers of when they were shooting it and it just looks like Lindsay lohan is having so much fun and that she just loved being back in this movie and she like was really behaved well, I think, with everybody and, and the cast. They all had a great time together and that makes me happy. It's an absolute holiday joy. It's joy. That makes me really happy because oddly too, I've always been pulling for her. You know, we yes. used to talk so much about her when she was a hot mess I on know. the radio. I and know. it was like it was like heartbreaking. Because there were so many reasons for her, legitimate reasons for her to be a hot mess. I mean, there was a lot that went on. Yes, in her, her childhood. Oh my god, horrible. And so, is she sober now? Do yeah, we I think, think so. I think, oh. and she got married, and um, her husband proposed on this when he was on the set while they while they were shooting this movie. Oh, nice. Okay, and I think good. she's like really just finding happiness and joy, and it is a hit. It's like number one on Netflix. People are loving it. Oh, that, that is, that is holiday news right there. Mm-hmm. You should watch it. Um, okay. So sort of in the same line, the movie that I'm going to recommend was such a surprise, but it's from 2010 and it's called The Switch. Did you ever see this movie with Jason Bateman and, um, and Jennifer Aniston, Jeff Goldblum? I don't think so, but I love Jeff Goldblum. We just watched yeah. Jurassic World the other night yeah. and he's um, super hot right now. And Jay was like, you laugh at every single thing Jeff Goldblum says. He's so hot right now. I just started following his wife, who has a great Instagram account. I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but it came up in my reels, and I'm like, who is this? And it was Jeff Goldblum's wife, because she's got, like he does, they just have this really eclectic style about them, and they just do whatever the hell they want. I love him. And she's a dancer, so her Instagram's really pretty, and, you know, she's it's great. I'll I'll figure it out for next time, and I'll tell you what it is. But, um, yeah, Jeff Jeff Goldblum, it's a minor part, but still... Jeff Goldblum, when he's on the screen, there's no ignoring him. There's just no ignoring him. But, but anyway, so Ian and I were in Kansas City just for a night. And for whatever reason, we could not sleep. Like, wide awake. So we started watching this movie at, I think, two o'clock in the morning. Oh my God. Until four o'clock. I mean, I don't know that it was worth staying up until four o'clock in the morning, but we were wide awake and there it was. And it's not to watch with Bernie. This is not <laughs> there. No, not even close. Yeah. But it's so charming and it's a romantic comedy. It's so surprisingly sweet. And then Ian and I are big on, if you're going to be a romantic comedy, there must be some comedy. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. about every eight minutes, there's a legitimate laugh. Yeah. Like there's a legitimate gag or a joke and not like super haha, but just it's amusing all the way through. Oh, well, any it's Jason fun. Bateman is so funny too. I know he's fabulous, but it's really, really fun. 2010. I don't even know what we were watching that it popped up, but I'm sure you can find it somewhere. I mean, we were oh, watching television. Fun. Yeah, it was kind of funny. I like like pulling out an old school movie that you haven't seen in a while. I think that's yeah. very that's very good. I don't know if I've ever seen that. I got to watch that. Um, You'd okay. enjoy it. I think you and Jay would enjoy it actually together. Oh, I bet. Well, yeah, he likes Jason Bateman. I mean, we've watched a lot of Ozark. We are behind on Ozark, but we're behind oh, on a lot of things. You can't oh, consume Ozark. everything. What are you gonna do? do? I know. Do not do Ozark in any way a part of the holiday season. <laughs> Wait till January. That's how I feel about Yellowstone. Like the new Yellowstone is out. And I was like, I had to take a break from Yellowstone. I can't watch the new Yellowstone for like a year. Yeah. It's 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 a lot. It's too much. Um, Okay. Let's talk about what we're reading. And mine is a cookbook. And um, I think that you might (laughs) like it because this is what I do. I read cookbooks. Um, I actually am very judicious about which cookbooks I buy and bring home now because I I have so many cookbooks and then I've even gone through and passed some along. Um, but I really like Danielle Walker and she, um, has several cookbooks. Her initial book was called Against the Grain and that's what her blog was called. She deals with an autoimmune disease and so she like really struggles with diet stuff and diet is what really like saved her life. I mean, she's got a lot of, um, autoimmune issues, but she has a new cookbook out and it's called Healthy in a Hurry. And, um, I just really like it. I listened to a podcast with her talking about it. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to order this. And she's got really great, like just concepts for simple cooking that you can do on the weeknight and good swap outs if you need to swap out different ingredients for whatever reason. So she does a little bit of dairy, um, but offers dairy substitutions. um, So you can kind of go either way on that. And then if there's certain grains that you can do, then she'll do that. You know, and I've, I've had, certain dietary restrictions due to nursing babies with food allergies. And so I think it's helpful to kind of have those in your back pocket. And she has a lot of sauce from scratch recipes, which you can like make, you know, like a green enchilada sauce and make it from scratch and then have it in the fridge for a couple of weeks and then make a couple things out of it, which I think is a great way to cook because a really helpful way to get a lot of the processed stuff out of your cabinet is to just make it yourself. And if it's quick and easy and simple, um, and the, it's just a really good cookbook. And I will tell you the first thing I made out of it, of course, was a sweet treat. And it was this banana chocolate chip mug cake. So it's just like one serving and no refined sugar, no refined flour. And it was so good, like fluffy and light and amazing and like the best treat. And then I didn't feel that sugar. I'm, I'm feeling more and more sensitive to sugar as I get older, that sugar like high and then the collapse. I just felt like happy, full and, and delighted. Like I didn't. What were the main, like what were the top three ingredients? It was, um, there's different flowers in it. So it was like, uh, I think it was almond flour. Okay. Uh, cassava flour. It might not have even had almond flour. It might've had cassava flour in it. And so I kind of stock a lot of those different flowers. It didn't have an egg in it. And then, um, Oh, that's great though. And then you can like swap out different milks. And then it was like mashed banana. And then I'm a big fan of those Lily's chocolate chips that are stevia sweetened. So right. it literally had no refined sugar in it at all. Oh, that's great. I know. That's great. Um, I keep meaning to tell you that 
I found out. So in one of my classes, the librarian came to visit for the mm. college library just Wonderful. to sort of, because one of my classes was graduate research. And so it was sort of showing you the resources that the library has and what they can get for you. And I Yeah, like how to like, use microfiche. I bet they show that. Oh, that's so done. Thank the Lord. Elizabeth, I, I grew up in a time where research involved microfiche. So did I. I did, yeah, really? 100%. I had to do microfiche in college. I kid you not. Oh, my God. Yes. Elizabeth, everything's changed. <laughs> it's so amazing. So, like, I just had to turn in a research paper. I had 15 sources. I was trying to find um, articles from, like, a 1964 New York Times, 1965 um, a Christian Science Monitor. Yeah. So I write the library. You know, I just go to the website. This is what I'm looking for. Like, a day later, delivered to me in a PDF. Oh. Oh, is that great? It was amazing. Man. It was amazing. All of my research. So I needed like five books, just went in. If they don't have it, they shoot off a note to the library that does. They ship it to the library and then the book's waiting for me. These kids today have no idea what they're dealing with. Yeah. I can't, sitting in a room going through microfiche. If that isn't its own kind of torture. And if you don't know what we're talking about. Be happy. Don't even. Yeah. (laughs) Don't even bother looking it up. But I'm telling you, Elizabeth, when the 1964 New York Times article came, I was like giddy, like in a PDF yeah. in my own home, not great. in some dark, dank room in some yeah. library somewhere. It was amazing. It was amazing. I want to stay in school forever just so I can request everything I want in a moment's notice. It's worth tuition just to have that. It was great. Oh, my um, gosh. So my research paper was actually about Harriet the Spy. The book that oh, I was yeah, telling yeah, you about yeah. yeah. So I was I was making the point that so a lot of people have done what's called a queer or lesbian reading of Harriet the Spy. Okay. Um I argued in my paper that you shouldn't do a queer reading, that you should do a feminist reading of Harriet the Spy. And it was really interesting because she is a little feminist. And that's the point I was trying to make in the paper is that she is a feminist in the making. And this came out in sixty four the Feminine Mystique came out in 1963, and so I made the point that the book was really um, the fictional characterization of what Betty Friedan was hoping for mm-hmm. for women. So for that was sure. the point of my thing. So oh, in all cool. of that, the the book that I – one of the books I read was Sometimes You Have to Lie, which is a book about – it's written by Leslie Brody, and it's a biography of, um, of um, Louise Fitzhugh, who's the author of Harriet the Spy. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. She was raised in Memphis, wealthy, um, mother sort of very, very wealthy in Memphis. Her parents divorced and her father had actually told her that her mother was dead. No. And she only found out like the truth of her parents' divorce of all of like, cause it was society news in Memphis in like 1930 something because she had, she was doing a summer internship at the Memphis newspaper. And she was looking at the microfiche or whatever it was in those days and found the history of her parents' divorce. But what was interesting about this woman, Louise Fitzhugh, who wrote Harriet the Spy, is she was a lesbian in the 60s in New York City, out. Wow. Out. Always out. And so it's just a really fascinating, which is why a lot of people, when they read Harriet the Spy, um, will do it through sort of a lesbian or you know, or queer reading lens is Mm -hmm. because Fitzhugh was. So it's just a really interesting, but the, I love biographies of women 
who were living the life they were meant to lead at a time when they were, weren't supposed to do it. I love that. So it's a great book. I mean, whether you've read, if you've read Harriet the Spy and you love the book, you will love this biography. But if you just love reading about strong women and women who know who, or at least have, are really trying hard to figure out who they are when society's really against them. Yeah. It's great. Sometimes it's, You Have to Lie by Leslie Brody. Leslie Brody. It's great. on, it's also on Audible. Um, I read oh, it, but you can get it on Audible. It's wonderful. It's just a wonderful biography. So. I'm in the listening phase. You know, I listen to a lot of books. I like audible so books. Great. It is helpful. It's so great. Um, okay. My listen, um, funny that you brought up Jason Bateman because I'm just going to remind everyone if you've just maybe gotten off track and haven't listened to a lot of episodes of the Smartless podcast with Jason Bateman and Will Arnett and, um, Sean. Oh gosh. What's Sean's last name? The guy oh. who, uh, you know, I'm blanking on it, but he he's is wonderful. He's from uh, Will, and, Will Grace. and Grace. Yes. He's fabulous. I'm going to look it up because it, so um, it is just a great, it's just a fun podcast. And then I haven't listened to it yet, but you all know my best friend, Tanya. She sent me and Jay an episode that he, um, that they just did with Wayne Gretzky. And so and oh. he, he was like, Jay would like this too. And I haven't listened to that one yet, but I was, when I was flying to Dallas a few weeks ago, I, um, just listened to like three different episodes and they're just funny. And I was laughing out loud on the plane. You know, you talk about like in a rom-com that you want to laugh. I yes. listen to like a lot of serious stuff. Yes, you do. And I read a lot of serious books and I'm always like reading all this stuff about like health and wellness. And then I get all overwhelmed and I'm like, everything's trying to kill us. And then I just got to like take a step back <laughs> and sometimes just listen to something that's like funny, you know, cause I've been obsessing over like microplastics and Monsanto for days. And I need to just like take a freaking breather and laugh and laugh and, laugh. and it makes um, me laugh. So in the way that we have conversations, so the, the story that I started about the library. Yeah. Um, I never really said what I meant to say. Cause which was what? By microfiche. Yeah. Kansas state, the library at Kansas state has the largest historical collection of cookbooks in the country. Oh, wow. Isn't that weird? That's fun. I know. I had a viewer send me a bunch of vintage cookbooks after I talked about wanting, like, I love my mom's original Betty Crocker cookbook. Right. Right. And, um, so I've got a stash of like some really good old ones that are fun. I just love, like, I love paging through cookbooks. I find it like very relaxing. Well, when I go into the archive at some point when I have time, I just want to go and take a look at it. I'll send you some good pictures because yeah, I think yeah. it's pretty cool. And the actor's name is Sean Hayes. Sean Hayes. He's yes. so wonderful. Yes. Okay. So two things that I'm listening to, and I, I, I will find the link and I'll put it in the show notes. So I was listening to, so we have a, a machine whose name I can't say or else she'll start talking to us. Um, <laughs> and I just, you know, I'll say in the morning, you know, just play the news and it usually picks up NPR. And a week or two ago, there was an interview with Bono. Yeah. Um, and the interview was so great. And he was talking about his new book, which I meant to look up the name. While I'm talking, would you look up the name? Yeah, happy I'm to. So sorry, I thought mm -hmm. I had it here. No, notes, I will be your researcher on this podcast for sure. Thank you. Because um, I can't do those two things at the no, same time. No, I get time. it. I get it. Um, but anyway, it was really cool. He was talking about um, sort of what influenced their music. And he was talking about The Edge and how The Edge grew up in a religious tradition, sort of where it was sort of a Welsh musical tradition of sort of, they would sing these hymnals and 
they would be in like these large auditoriums or these large spaces and they were almost like anthems, but it's like a Welsh religious tradition. Hmm. And he said so much of our music was influenced by not only Bono's religiosity, but also by Edge's religious tradition. And he said, if you go back and listen, so it's like if you listen to, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Oh, one of the greatest songs of all yeah. time. Um, Sunday, Bloody Sunday. They yeah. all sort of follow in that tradition. So really, I'll I'll put the link to the interview um, in the show notes because it was such a great interview with him. And it was so interesting. He was talking about being, um, he was talking about Jesus. And he was talking yeah. about all of these really interesting things that are at the core of who he is. And I found it really moving. He's intriguing. Um, the The memoir is called Surrender, 40 Songs, One you. Story. Yeah. Oh, I want to listen to that on Audible, too. I'm, yeah, I'm definitely going to. I'm not going to buy the book on that one or check it out of the library. I'm definitely going to listen to that on Audible because oh, I think yeah. I think they'll, if they do it right, there'll be lots of, obviously, music in it as well. Interesting. Um, yeah. So that was my first one. And then second one, um, I've been spending the morning. I'm on break, so I have time finally. Um, listening to a new podcast by uh, a friend of mine in Chicago um, called The Dining Table. And so many of our, you know, so many people who listen to this podcast are from Minnesota. And I know a lot of Minnesotans love to go down and take like quick little weekend trips in Chicago. Oh, for sure. Um, this podcast, David Manilow is the creator of a show called Check Please which is a fairly famous show in Chicago. And it was on WTTW for 20 years, the PBS station in Chicago. And Barack Obama was on it when he was a state senator. And it's basically the concept is three regular people go out and eat in three places. And then they come to the table with a host and they talk about their experience. <laughs> and that's the show that I produced at Arizona for like four years. Yeah. Um, it was Check, Please, Arizona. But David started the franchise. He knows Chicago food better than anybody I know. He did that, and he finds the out-of-the-way places. Oh, and great. so the show's not on TTW. It ended last year. And so he started doing this podcast, and it's so great because he knows the little places. Mm -hmm. He knows the places that if you want to feel like, oh, yeah, I just got a piece of authentic Chicago, yeah. not like Gino's Pizza, not Uno's, not the stuff that people think of. Yeah. Just um, it's called The Dining Table, and you could just find it, you know, wherever you find your podcast. But he's just doing a great job with it. I think he's got 12 episodes out, but it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Super and cool. He treats food like the reporter that he is. You know, it's, it, it, is, it, is, it is not Instagram. Mm -hmm. It is the real deal. Yeah. So it's, it's great. Oh, that's so good. Good recommendations. Good stuff to download. I like it very so. much. Another successful so. edition of our Watch, Read, Listen. All right, if you are enjoying this podcast... Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. We would be happy to accept that review. We would like it very much. We will, we will accept it. We will not reject it. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best of the Nest. We are the podcast that brings you home.